Pod Snuggle. My other glorious host, Real Beast, is exploiting our open relationship today and has scampered off to talk to the gorgeous Nicolette Hugo. Um, I really love this conversation, guys. Uh, Nicolette writes some absolutely stonking erotica um, and it's, it's really good stuff and I really, really liked what they talked about. So do give it a listen. Um, flogging things. What am I flogging? Oh, well, they're talking about BDSM and I'm talking about my book, The Barbershop Girl, is up for pre-order. Um, Rill has her fabulous book, Hell on Wheels, out. If you haven't read about roller derby demons, what the hell are you doing? Get yourself to the nearest roller derby demon shop and buy some. They're just wonderful and it's really, really fucking funny. So, oh, swear warning, big swear warning, as usual, mainly for the swear that I just gave you there that I shouldn't have before the swear warning. Okay, so I I hope you enjoy the show and Rill and I will be back to normal transmission the minute we can work out how to make the internets work in our favour. Today I'm talking to Nicolette Hugo and she's an erotic fiction writer with, um, I'll leave it up to her to categorize herself as an erotic romance writer or an erotic writer. <laughs> it's up to her. <laughs> Hi, Nicolette. How are you? I'm good, Ralph. Thanks. It's, um, I think it's erotic romance because so far there's happy endings. Yeah, well... The, Which the, is what you want when, you know. <laughs> it, I guess it depends on what kind of happy ending you're referring to. <laughs> There's many, many happy endings. <laughs> um, but, I mean, there is a, a strong relationship element. So um, having read a couple of your books, you know, it's it, it's not just about the the sex between the characters. It's also a lot of it is about the relationship. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, yeah, it's, um, I find it's more interesting actually to write the relationship bits. Yeah, I, I always find that too, the emotion that goes with the sexuality or whatever else is, is much more in, interesting than the, you know, insert part A <laughs> in <Yeah>. part B <laughs> stuff. Also, my partner does read my books for me like back to me you know so okay. I can hear them while I'm editing and yeah. he has commented that you know it, it that it's not as erotic by the third one <laughs> it's going there's a lot of there's a lot of relationship stuff happening you're deviating from the erotic author <laughs> that's true, that's true. It's- it's kind of like saying the word fuck, isn't it? Because the more often you say it, it the more it loses impact. So by the, yeah. the time you've got your fifth sex scene in a book, <laughs> it, it you worry that it's losing impact. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, I mean, authors do have tricks up their sleeves for, for dealing with that, don't they? Um, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. A little worried where I might go with that. Yes, I do. Yeah. Um, I know the, I don't know, some of the tips I've learned is that um, 
you know, each experience is, is different. So it, it's meant to break some sort of, um, it's meant to change the relationship in some way. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I mean, you have read some of my books. So I do try and make the sex seem carry like an emotional um, turning point or, or change in the relationship kind of through the sex scene. And yeah. I do try stupidly um, never repeat a sex scene. Yeah, exactly. So if you have, um, I don't know, for the menage writers out there, if you have a um, menage scene in chapter one, then perhaps for chapter two you want to try and change things up a bit and, you know, perhaps change it to a duo or, you know, bring some different element to it. Yeah. So just for uh, listeners who aren't familiar with Nicolette's books, there's The Arrangement. Um, did you want to say a little bit about that one? Um, <laughs> uh, that one's my first book. And I don't know. Look, I'm very proud of The Arrangement. And mm-hmm. uh, it's it's a book really um, about a very straight-laced girl who meets a, um, a politician, but he's actually a, a, a dominant, and they kind of, they have this six-month, like, um, no-strings-attached BDSM arrangement. And the book actually is about what happens after those six months, and she's kind of fallen in love with him, but, you know, n- none of that touchy-feely language has passed between them. And she also has to confront... Um, like her own sense of self because she's, you know, she's career orientated. She wanted the white picket fence. She had a very um, kind of like the normal little box idea of what her life was going to be. And and so it, it's about their relationship. Um, but, you know, it's funny, like with each book that you write, and, and I wonder if, if other um, people feel that. Because I do, I, I do love the characters, and I'm proud of the book, and, and it got me published. Um, and it's the first thing I had ever written. I started writing in 2014, and the book came out in 2015. Um, but it's very hard as um, a creative to look back on your past work Mm. there's always a cringe moment (laughs) and you're always like wanting to look more forward than backwards yeah um no I do remember looking back at past works and actually being relieved that they weren't as bad as I feared (laughs) they might be (laughs) yeah I think like you need that distance to go back objectively yeah and it's it's always delightful when you read things you don't remember writing and think, oh, that's pretty good. That's all right. <laughs> yeah. Not too shabby. <laughs> um, so you were talking about the relationship element a little bit just then. So do you think it's fairly common in erotic romance or even erotica for, you know, there to be this progression of, you know, breaking sexual boundaries, but the the final boundary is actually being able to talk about the emotional stuff that goes with all of that? Yeah, look, I think for erotic romance, definitely. I think um, true erotica is very much more the exploration of self mm-hmm. than um, 
necessarily relationship stuff, you know. Yeah. If you look at like the Bride Strip Bear or um, those kind of books, they're more about discovering who you are through mm -hmm. a sexual journey. Um, but I think the erotic romance stuff is very much about the discovery of relationship mm. through sex. And I really started writing BDSM because I wanted to um, normalize it. And that, that was one of my key aims when I thought, okay, I'll write some sexy books. And my intent was to have just normal people um, with kind of kinky sex lives. Yeah. And kind of say, you know, like when you sit on the bus in the morning or the train, there's people on there who um, are perfectly fine and, and not um, deranged or mentally unstable. <laughs> or a lot of that um, kind of stuff that sometimes comes with some people's kinks and fetishes. Um, and, and they're just normal people who, mm. who have sex slightly differently. Yeah, I mean, that's true. The The media loves to, you know, demotize and stigmatize um, people uh, with sex lives, even, you know, slightly deviant from the, you know, heterosexual missionary <laughs> position or whatever is considered normal at that particular point. Um, I mean, I, I guess, you know, a lot of media people, whether they've whatever their sexual preferences they usually will write about the topic in a way that you know um uses the cheap gags and um has fun at sort of um the the supposed subgroups expense yeah yeah and i think 50 shades of gray like put bdsm on the table as a topic mm. And, and whether people like those books or not is it, just personal preference. And um, but I do think it it created the um, it, it put it in the spotlight, and it seemed like a nice opportunity to expand on that in a slightly different way um, with different angles. And each of my books try like I deal with a different kink in each book as well. Yeah. Um, because it's it's just not the same for everyone. Mm. And I, I would actually argue, and um, I have to qualify that by saying I'm not part of the scene and I'm not terribly knowledgeable about the subject, but, you know, just from what I've read on a, a light, fairly light basis, what I like about the BDSM scene from what I've read is that there's that... Um, forward negotiation of people's boundaries and that to me seems like an incredibly healthy thing as opposed to just assuming that everyone is on the same page and hoping for the best. Yeah definitely there's definitely that because um, even if you like the same thing if you like to be tied up and I like to be tied up we'd like very different things about it mm. And so, you, you know, you can't just go, I like to be tied up. It, it requires a whole conversation. And so I, th I think in general, um, people who are in BDSM-type relationships um, have very good communication because mm. it's kind of, um, it's so important to the success of, of what you do. And um, I, I am in the scene and, you know, I've had um, vanilla partners and, 
BDSM partners and I, I have found like the um, the self-expression and channel of communication is much stronger and, and that's not a judgment because th there will be people who are in standard vanilla relationships who communicate really well mm. and self-express really well but um, you know maybe as someone who who was a little more reserved doing that I think just the structure and nature of BDSM kind of facilitates or pushes you into coming forward and communicating better. Yeah, I mean, and the the fact that some of those conversations, you know, can be quite um, difficult or confronting for some people if they're not used to it, I think it... Um, do it with the lights off. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a good idea. Right. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, it, look, even admitting to yourself, if you speak to a lot of people who are into kink, just even admitting to themselves is mm. um, quite confronting. And, um, you know, and it, it takes a while to get through that. And every now and again, you still have a moment like, what the? So, <laughs> like, do I really like that? What the? <laughs> um, yeah, it, 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 it does take a fair amount of courage to, you know, be open and honest about what you like when there is so much judgment, especially in media and mainstream media, I should say, um, you know, telling people all the time what they should and shouldn't like and how they should and shouldn't be. Um yeah, so that there's, there seems to be a degree of honesty there which is appealing, but I imagine with your characters in your books, a lot of the struggle is getting to that point where they can be honest about who they are and what they want and not um, feeling, I don't know, uncomfortable about it. Yeah, and also, you know, like a book's a book and you have to put drama in. Mm. Do you... Yep, uh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Um, is with your novels, do you um, try to avoid making you know the kink a, a point of conflict, or do you sometimes go either way, or how do you like to handle it? Um, I have, I haven't really made it a point of conflict just because of the stories that have come to me so far. Mm. I am writing a book now, and it's my first um, gay romance, actually. Mm -hmm. um, and and it is about um, a guy who um, is actually bisexual, and his his mother was um, a, a victim of abuse, and so he finds it very hard to express his more sadistic tendencies against women. Mm -hmm. And um, but he he manages to embrace that side of himself with his male partners. Mm -hmm. So um, you know, and and that's a point of internal conflict for him throughout the book, kind of thing. Um, finding peace with that part of himself. So. Yeah, it really just depends on, I think, the characters that come through. I don't have any um, boundaries of, of what I would do or not. So far, I've tried to depict healthy kink, mm. but I don't, I don't want to say I wouldn't ever write a character where the kink is unhealthy mm. because um, I think I'd like to explore kind of more all facets of characters and, and, you know, some characters are 
better adjusted than others. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting that you raised the topic of um, gay um, kink. I, I'm fascinated by how often in with the heterosexual relationships there's quite sort of familiar power dynamics because of the, the gendered aspects of roles. And it is. are you finding it interesting as a writer to be writing about the power dynamics in um, an all-male relationship? I love it. <laughs> like I can totally see the seduction in writing um, gay romance because I think um, that when I do write kink and, and sadism has been a common and theme through my three books um, but I, I temper it because I'm very aware that um, for people who are not in the scene and um, I don't want to trigger anybody who reads this and because I'm writing a male and female traditionally the other three books I've I've wanted to keep my hero likable, mm. <laughs> which I don't know if you have that problem as an author, but, you know, kind of in your head he's a bit darker and then when I write him I go, oh, I don't want people to <laughs> like you, so we'll make you save a puppy or <laughs> yeah. you know, something. But I, I do kind of um, hold back a little um, when I do the hetero kink, but with the – with the gay romance, you know, it's um, that whole physical dominance that just male and females have by nature, um, just through a, a genetics, right? Mm. Where um, it, for most women, it'd be very hard to fight off a, a male assailant. Mm. Um, but when you're writing to men, you kind of like all those things are off the table. They're mm. um, very equal physically. And that allows you to kind of push harder. They could go to um, town on each other. They can go to town on each other. So <laughs> it's very liberating um, to write the gay romance. And I uh, look, it's a bit of an experiment, but I hope people like it because I'd really love to write more. Mm. So let's talk a little bit about exhibition. Yep. So for, pe for people not familiar with that one, what's the, the basic outline? Yeah, so exhibition is, um, it's about Grace who is an exhibitionist, but um, she's actually um, quite unusual for an exhibitionist because we're, while most exhibitionists actually thrive in attention, Grace actually um, likes to be an exhibitionist because she she likes she wants to be dehumanized through it mm. like she wants to be seen as an object and and kind of hide herself from it and um the hero in it um which is still one of my favorite characters that I've done is Jason and he's a photographer and you know he does fine arts kind of um erotic photography and uh he they kind of make a deal that she'll be his muse for his next exhibition and he kind of sees through all her um, all her defences and kind of reaches out to her and, and makes her feel worthwhile mm -hmm. and, and not ashamed of what she wants. And I quite, that's, I think, my favourite book that I've written so far. Okay. And, and her arc is to 
to um, it's feel self acceptance. Yeah, self acceptance. Okay, it that's actually probably a, a profession for some photographers, isn't it? Just shooting the sort of um, erotic photos. Yeah, yeah, fine arts, um, nudes, and and erotic photography and and stuff like that. So um, yeah, I do. Um, I find right like I'm an avid reader. I love reading, but since I've started writing, I look for a lot of visual inspiration more. I was going to say on your website, you you do have a an inspiration part, which yeah has a lot of photography and so forth yeah i find the visuals now um feed like the writer part of me more um where before like i probably would have read a lot more now i'm quite happy to look at a lot of dirty pictures (laughs) (laughs) i guess a a lot of writing is about trying to create a, a visual picture in readers minds isn't it yeah yeah as well as a emotional connection. Yeah, and I don't know um, how books come to you, Rob, but like I actually I do get mine in flashes, mm. kind of visuals. So maybe it's just natural that I've um, kind of really immersed myself in in naughty pictures. Yeah. But um, my but I know like I speak to my critique partners and all that, you know, and um, some of them get more like an emotional feel and. Others kind of get it through dreams and and stuff like that, but I just get little visual random flashes and I kind of jot them down and eventually I I find a story through them. Yeah, well, I I sort of, my my method or whatever you want to call it keeps sort of changing. At the moment, when I have a a granny nap around lunchtime, um, I sort of lie down with a notepad next to me and scenes sort of run through my head and I scribbled out notes which I can hopefully read once I wake up again <laughs> yeah that's really interesting um I w- you, like I'm jealous when I hear that of people because it sounds like it's a really free creative process um and I think that's great yeah usually it only gives me like you know a, a few notes um and then I have to flesh it out through actual writing. But um, I always find my subconscious is kind of much better at writing fiction than I am. So (laughs) (laughs) I rely on it quite heavily for its own little ideas. Yeah, and there's a lot of writers that um, I admire that kind of say that. Um, Mm. Like Karen Morimonin, who, you know, writes the Fever series that I just, door she says she gets up really early in the morning and she um, writes before she even has coffee so she tries not to wake up fully and she does all her kind of fresh writing and then after about 11 o'clock or whatever you know she'll do the coffee and fully wake up and then she'll edit Edit. for the rest of the day yeah I totally agree Um, early morning is my best time for the I guess I'd call it free writing as well, that first draft where you're just letting stuff out and it's before I'm really properly awake and the the best stuff comes out. But unfortunately I have to trot off to my office job (laughs) 
by a certain time. Um, so I only get a certain amount done before I come back home for lunch because luckily I live quite close to my office. I can't get up in the morning. Like I, I'm just, <laughs> there's no free writing for me at all because it, it takes all my will and all my partner's will to get me out of bed in the morning <laughs> and send me to my job. What, uh, what brutal hour do you have to get up in the morning? Uh, you know, it's not brutal. It's six o'clock, I think. Oh, ouch. That's brutal. It, uh, it's brutal. <laughs> that is, yeah. Okay. But I feel a little better now. But I just, I am not a morning person. No, I normally don't wake up until eight. All oh, right. <laughs> so you can see why what? I'm shocked by your Just six o'clock start. start. <laughs> You're a hero. You are. <laughs> I feel I feel a bit better now. <laughs> um, so I'm guessing that you're more of a night owl um, like me because often I won't go to sleep till midnight or one o'clock. Yeah, yeah. And um, my creative juices... Um, won't kick in till like about 10 30 or 11 right mm. so um, that's kind of yeah I'd rather write through the night if if I could yeah um I I do feel more ener energized and awake at that hour but the problem is after you know six hours at the the government job um <laughs> It's usually destroyed any creativity because it's such a, a rational, logical process based work there that, um, yeah, as I said, it t totally turns off that part of the brain that comes up with saucy romance scenes or whatever. Yeah, that's yeah. why you have to look at the dirty pictures. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm writing down a note. Look, look at more dirty pictures as per. Yep. Nick's suggestion. <laughs> um, so just quickly moving on to um, your third book, or it, I think it was actually the second one you wrote. Was it Bought, your second yeah. book? Yeah. That's the third one, yep, that came out. Okay. Yeah. That's, um, that's because it was the third book, I thought I needed three characters. <laughs> and so that that's a menage story. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's about a marriage that's kind of an open marriage because I have had people tell me they didn't read further because they thought it was a cheating book. But uh. it's it's actually about an open marriage that is kind of falling apart. But um, two people who really really love each other, but they've um, it, the wife gets kidnapped and hurt, and and the husband kind of blames himself for it and. Um, I think a lot of people, when they're in grief, um, sometimes can't talk about it. Mm. And so they're kind of estranged and they're quite hurtful with each other, some of the things they do. And um, she reaches out. She was given this card um, in at the end of exhibition. Um, she has a little cameo and she, she gets given the card and she hires a, a dom um, to just kind of be a roll in the sheets uh, and they start to connect and then the husband actually hires the Don to come and be with them for, I forget, 40 days or mm -hmm. 
um, whatever. And, and so it's the dynamic of those three people. And I really enjoyed in that book allowing myself to let people be horrible to each other. <laughs> okay. Um, horrible in an emotional yeah, um, yeah. They're quite emotionally acerbic. Okay. Um, but it's all through it's all just because they're hurting and, and they love the person. And I do think you can be the most awful to someone you love when you're hurting. Mm. Um, but that was me getting like a little braver. You know how I was saying to you, like you always think, oh, I really want people to like my characters. Mm. Um, but with Bored, I was kind of like, I'm just going to let them be mean to each other because <laughs> I know <laughs> I know in the end it'll all be good, you know, and I'm just hoping people stay with me. Yeah. And get to the point where it all comes good again so I, I really enjoyed that and that was my first little um play with um male on male um kind of erotic scenes as well and that's kind of when I went oh I want to do more of this yeah yep um so the book that you're working on now is it'll it'll focus on um just two characters Yes, so I'm writing four books at the moment Mm -hmm. because um, I'm just very scattered this year. (laughs) I I am writing a um, a so in the arrangement exhibition and um, bought kind of universe, all the books kind of have little cameos that kind of introduce a character that goes into the next book. So I am writing the next book in that kind of universe, which is Eli, which he kind of helps the characters in board. And that's just two characters. And then I'm writing the um, the gay romance book that I told you about and mm-hmm. a vampire book. <laughs> oh, and no sparkly vampires, I hope. No sparkly <laughs> vampires at all. But I haven't um, let them, like they go out during the day, mm-hmm. but um, no sparkles. Well, I don't know. Look, you might, I might have an eccentric one that just wears <laughs> rhinestone or whatever. A, a glitter whore vampire. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's not outside the realm of possibility. Yeah, why not? But um, no sparkly. And then I'm co-writing a book with um, Carrie Silverwood as well. Mm-hmm. So the writing calendar is pretty busy. Pretty full, yeah. Maybe um, maybe you will have to start getting up earlier. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I was, I was going to say I would never suggest anything so awful. <laughs> no, no, go wash your mouth out with soap. <laughs> what I meant was you'll have to write a bit later into the night. Yeah, that's yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> or if, if you know the secret to like 10,000 words a day, I'm all ears. <laughs> yeah, I think that one involves um, giving up sleep. <laughs> so I'm not a big fan of that one. Um, and possibly writing full time, which, you know, for a lot of us isn't really economically feasible. So, yeah. I joined Nano again this year. Yeah. Um, and that, look, I'm, I'm a true masochist because I joined Nano and um, I think we're halfway through it. I have less than a 1,000 words. <laughs> oh, so okay. 50,000-word goal is not going to happen. Yeah. But I just like feeling really bad. <laughs> <at how. laughs> oh, so you're being masochistic. 
I, I like to beat myself up <laughs> over the fact that I can't even write about 1,500 words a day, which I think if you manage that, you can achieve the 50,000 words in a month. Yeah. Um, for listeners who don't know, um, I think it's called NaNoWriMo, which is Nano Writing Month. And as Nick, Nick just said, the idea is to write 50,000 words in a month, which is roughly 1,500 a day. Um, I know that I'm certainly not that productive. Um, as I said, the office job gets a lot of my quality <laughs> brain time. <laughs> Um, I'm, I'm actually lucky if I write 500 during the, a day during the working week and on the weekends I up it to maybe a thousand a day. Um, but I think Nick, that you've just had a great idea for your own competition, which is masochism nano, where (laughs) you say that you will write all these words and then don't, and then you get to feel guilty every day for a month. And then you can have a panel telling you how worthless you are. Yeah. I I think you need to patent that idea immediately. Maybe maybe test the concept first with a, a bunch of masochist um, writers. That. Yeah. But aren't all writers masochists? <laughs> yeah. I I like to joke that I've found the most difficult form of validation, getting validation from others possible. So <laughs> why would we give that up (laughs) um but i think just your t-shirt you know um mako short for mac or maybe maso nano maso nano it's catchy it's very catchy i can see it now i'm bringing you on board for my merchandise (laughs) but you'll need a good logo so is there some sort of you know masochism um, image that can be combined with a pen or something. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe a whip crossed with a pen. That look, that sounds catchy. You're good with images. You should come up with something, no problem. Yeah, I'd have a play. Come up with a few. <laughs> or you could, I think the way businesses do it now is to run a competition for someone else to come up with a great idea and then businesses will crowdsource yeah and you give them a ten dollar prize or something (laughs) and say thank you had we done it ourselves it might have cost a few thousand yep that's right we've um we've covered the business basics there Well, it was fantastic to talk to and um, I hope you can join us once again um, because, as you may know, Georgina and I have an open relationship when it comes to the Bookish Tarts <laughs> podcast. I love your podcast. <laughs> yeah. I um, I think we may have used less dirty words than usual because usually Georgina has to give a swearing warning at the far at the beginning so if you want to slip in a few cuss words now go for it no i just couldn't fucking compete (laughs) that's fucking fine thanks once again for joining us nick all right thanks Rule. very nice to talk to you you too wasn't that an awesome conversation i think it was i really enjoyed it and i really really hope that we get nick back on here um if you haven't checked out her books Get yourself to wherever you're getting Rilla My books from and get hers too because they're really, really good. Um, yeah, 
So I think that's all we've got for this time round. As I said at the beginning of the podcast, Rel and I are trying to get things working. If we can't get things working properly until uh, before July next year, we've actually planned to rendezvous in Scotland on a road trip and we will be recording a bunch of podcasts there and releasing them after that. So that should be a lot of fun. Expect more sweariness and probably booziness and probably very full tummies. So yeah, okay guys, I hope you're all staying sane out there with everything going on in the world right now. And bye for now. Wow, wow.